Welcome to episode 15 of The Houstonism. This week I'm joined by Jaden Yates to discuss her thoughts and experiences in the recent Black Lives Matter protests. It's really exciting for me to talk to someone young who is passionate about something. And so let's get started with the show. All right, this day in history for Tuesday, June 23rd, 2020. Happy birthdays today, not many, but going out to starting with Pharaoh Ptolemy the 15th, who was born in 47 BCE. Uh, Napoleon's first wife, Josephine, was born in 1763, and rounded out with British mathematician Alan Turing, uh, born in 1912. Now, events for this day include 1789, Louis XVI rejected the demands of the Third Estate. I don't think that was a good idea for him. In 1872, Frederick Douglass became the first African-American to appear on a presidential ballot when he was the vice presidential nominee uh, for the Equal Rights Party. And in 1922, Walter Hagen became the first American-born golfer to win the British Open. In 1980, The David Letterman Show debuted on NBC with Daytime. And in 1989, the movie Batman premiered, showing superhero movies could work even if it took a while before more good ones came along, but boy, have they ever. Now, for Houston's history today, we're going to dive into more information about Frederick Douglass because that seems relevant to to my guests later. Uh, He was born the son of a slave woman and a white man, although we don't know who that man was, in 1818. He escaped in 1838 when he fled from Baltimore to New York City. He was lucky to be able to learn to read while in slavery and then continued his reading and education after gaining his freedom. Now, he worked for abolition, um, gave a speaking tour in the United Kingdom even during the 1840s, and during that time period as well, he wrote an autobiography, experience, talking about his experiences as a slave. Uh, in 1888, he became the first African-American to receive a presidential nomination vote when he received one vote in the Republican convention, even though he wasn't campaigning or desiring a nomination. I think the representative the, was from Kentucky, actually, who voted for him. Uh, he is known as one of the leading abolitionists for his work during his lifetime. Um, look up more about him. Fascinating individual, an important individual in our history. So now let's get to my interview with Jaden. All right, joining me now is a recent HCHS graduate, former student of mine and former bowler of mine, uh, Jaden Yates. Uh, how's life been these last few months, Jaden? Uh, it's been pretty difficult, you know, working a lot and Corona, but it's been okay. How's yours been? It's uh, going nuts. Uh, Noah and I are wearing each other out now going on over three months just locked in together uh so and joel as well he but he's he's had some time like he's just started going back to preschool this week um our last week so he's getting a little bit of social interaction again which is good for him but i need that too it's the pod that's why i do the podcast so tell me about uh, it you're one of the first people that i've talked to that's not at my work in a long time oh man it's it is crazy all right, so you are here to discuss the, the recent Black Lives Matter protests and your involvement in them. Um, and I just want to first give the listeners a little bit of background before we get to your experiences, just in case they're wondering what this thing is. And if I'm wrong on anything or if you want to add 
correct anything, please let me know because this is the best of my knowledge and what I've been able to, to follow. Okay. Uh, so, the Black, so the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, it's been around for a few years uh, now, but with the, the death of George Floyd, it really gained a lot of traction and erupted uh, with protests throughout the world, actually, um, after what was seen there. And the target of this movement has been primarily police brutality and a lot that's what's been the driving force but it's also about systemic racism and for those that may not know that the concept there is that racism is built into society and it's a lot of times unseen so like overt racist acts of individuals we we see like i don't know if you were familiar this just happened today the um uh noose was left in a nas in in a black nascar driver's garage he was the one who pushed for the Confederate flag to be banned at NASCAR events. So that would be an overt racist act. And those are that. But systemic racism, it's a system that's set up to favor one group over others. And this can happen in the way the police system is being targeted right now. It can happen in businesses where certain people will not get hired. Um, it can happen in living situations like, you know, we have actually discussed in Human Geo with redlining, uh, gentrification, um, and then it happens in education with standardized testing, with curriculum. So it can happen everywhere. Now, that's a very basic intro to the concept because you can really, really dive in. Um, did I did I hit everything for the most part, do you think? Uh, for the most part, yes. Uh, that's the whole point of the protest is to change the system and hopefully get everyone on the e- more equal playing field than they are now. So okay. that's basically all of it. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so let's get started with what your involvement has been like with this movement and the protest. So what have you been doing? Like, what has that looked like? Um, what have you been going to? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, I've been to a bunch of different protests, actually, uh, not just in Henderson, but I've went to multiple in Evansville and then even a handful in Louisville. And they all look really different, honestly. Uh, Henderson was more homey. Uh, all the cops here really were hands-on with the protesters, talked to them, tried to, like, talk through different ways of how they can make the city better in general. And Evansville was uh, a medium, I guess. Some of the cops were a little bit more uh, harsh and didn't really want to talk to the protesters. And some of the protesters were a little bit more harsh to the cops in Evansville. But there's more tension up there. It's a bigger town and stuff like that. So that makes sense. And then in Louisville, though, it was just... It, it felt like a full-on war, I guess. It was a lot different. Um, I guess they had been pushed past the point of peace. Um, I mean, protesters were not being aggressive until later in the night. Like, rioters and protesters, people get those two people, uh, those two types of people mixed in a lot. But rioters are a lot different than protesters themselves. So, rioters are people who actually show up in the middle of the night, more like 10 o'clock or after dark. And then they start breaking stuff. But before that, it's just mainly protesters just being peaceful. And that makes sense that Louisville would be more intense, too, with Breonna Taylor's uh, death there. There was Uh, the last weekend that I went, there was a shrine there and like a memorial for a huge one for Breonna Taylor. And then a mural uh, put on the side of a building with her face on it and. Uh, people came and dropped flowers and lit candles for her and then everyone else who has lost their lives through police brutality. Oh. Yeah, wow. it was uh, real moving. It was something that I didn't really expect to see, but 
it touched like a lot of people. Yeah. So, uh, and that leads me to, I was going to ask you like what your personal experience at these protests look like. Um, so it sounds like they've been, they've really continued to move and kind of galvanize you to want to do something since you've been going to all of these. Oh, for sure. Like, uh, especially in Louisville, like I understand that's not my hometown, but when I bit, I went there like three weekends in a row and everyone was really sweet. Everyone tried to make everyone else feel included. And uh, we were all fighting for the same cause to, for justice basically. So it, it makes you feel connected to people that maybe in other instances you wouldn't feel connected to them or anything because you're fighting for something bigger than yourselves. So it's like a giant family. And uh, well, in Louisville, there was one weekend when I was there, it did get violent. Um, we were me I was in the protesting group, obviously, and we were protesting. And there's two people in the front of the group making sure that all the protesters stayed like six feet away from the cops because they knew that things were getting violent. And uh, this one drunk dude ended up coming in and yelling at the cops in ways that he really should not have. And so... uh, a couple of adults that were protesting escorted him away. So we were trying to keep it real peaceful. And then this one person in the crowd tossed a water bottle to someone else and the water bottle dropped and it was a little too close to the cops, I guess. And it scared them and they started shooting rubber bullets at us. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. Um, I mean, I, I've seen news stories and stuff like that, but like to witness it firsthand and to actually go through stuff like that, like, I can see how the cops would get scared about something like that happening, but I can also see how they overreacted because we were not really doing anything violent at the time. And then, so after rubber bullets were shot at us, we were, everyone basically scattered. And then after everything calmed down, we came back together, but we were at a four-way stop and we were on one side of the four-way stop, and then the cops were on the other. And it's not just, like, a few cops. Like, there was 30 to 50 cops. There was a lot of cops. And there was a – the National Guard and stuff was there, too. There was one tank and then a couple of, like, military-grade RVs. So it kind of gave me, like, purge vibes, to be honest. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is is intense. Um I can't imagine that, especially at your, at your age. Like I, <laughs> I think back to when I was 18 and I'm like, Oh no, I, I don't think, I don't know how I would handle that. I, know. Um, Honestly, I don't know. When I first saw them, I mean, it scared me, but after a few things had happened and um, the cops, after they shot us once we all came back and we actually sat on the other side of the street, like sat down. Well, not everyone, but, more than 50% of the protesters sat on the ground to like show that we were trying to be peaceful. And um, so I don't, I didn't see anything happen. Probably something did happen. Someone yelled and they ended up uh, shooting at us again. And one of the people that I was with actually got shot straight in the face with a, a rubber bullet. And it like put a dent in her head and stuff the bullets are not really meant to be shot at people they're meant to be shot at the ground and then bounce up and hit people but oh yeah but um 
they were just kind of aiming them straight. And so, wow. Yeah. So all that happened and it was like, it was a big experience. Like you could really see firsthand how uh, everything's going down. And then I saw news stories about that night and everything. And it just nothing. The news didn't cover what actually happened. Okay, so that that brings me to my next uh, question, because I know you had talked to me about wanting to discuss like what the media's involvement's been or portrayal of these protests have been like. Um, So what is your take on the way that the media is covering these? Are they are they fairly accurate? Do you feel like there's a lot of misinformation being presented? Um, What Um, do you think? It's. I guess it's like anything on the media. There's extremes both ways, and neither of them really cover what is actually happening. I mean, not all cops are... In my story, the cops were being a little excessive, but also it's Louisville. There's already been a lot of riots and stuff, so they were already on edge. But there are some protests that I've been to, like in Evansville, even, not just Henderson, and um, where people are getting together more and it's more like homey and it's it's like a a happier protest I guess than what the media shows the media likes to show a lot of unhappy protests and bad things going on but there are a lot of good protests also going on obviously uh that's making change so where cops and or police officers and protesters are both on the same page and it's not really getting violent or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, since these have been going on for several weeks now, do you feel like from what you've seen or experienced that the protests have, have shown to be somewhat effective or do you think it depends on where at in the country they are? Um, what do you think about the impact these are having? Um, it really depends on where, uh, Obviously, the protests have done some good because uh, George Floyd's murderer ended up getting a instead of a third degree murder, he got second degree murder. And there are so there are instances where people are getting up, I guess. But overall, it's more the community instead of the system like the system is not has not really changed yet. I don't in my personal opinion, I don't feel like it has or it might start to move in the right direction but there's still a lot of resistance it would be hard to change a a, a system overnight and just oh, like oh yes i mean that's asking a lot obviously um so i guess there has been change there has been change though don't get me wrong there's been change like within different communities if because for henderson for example like my hometown there's a lot of people because I know I actually know people here and there was a protest here um, one Saturday, like a couple of Saturdays ago. And a lot of people showed up at Central Park and it was a lot more involved than I assumed a town like ours would be. There was uh, pastors there from different churches that you really wouldn't expect. And um, a bunch of different cops spoke out about things in ways that you wouldn't expect them to. So in that sense, in the sense of like, in Louisville, there's uh, memorials and stuff like that. And the community, like, they stay out until 1 o'clock in the morning, just, like, praying with each other, making sure everyone's okay. So in that sense, I feel like we've changed. Um, the com- Just the communities around the world, they're more 
in touch with each other and they are closer in some instances, just mm-hmm. from what I've seen. Now, I've seen some uh, recent social media like things saying about don't lose the momentum and, and whatnot. Are there still and, and I don't see them on the news as much anymore either. Um, are there still protests that you're aware of that are going on uh, either in this area or else? I know Seattle's got their own thing going on up there. Um, but outside of that, have you, are there still things happening around the area? Well, I mean, in Evansville, actually people show up downtown every day. Still one o'clock they're downtown. It's not as big of a crowd as it was whenever everything first started. Like uh, people are kind of letting it defuse, um, more than it needs to, but there are still protests like downtown everyone shows up at one o'clock by the river and they just protest until they feel like going home and uh, it's nothing big but people are still doing things in louisville it's still it's still pretty big um okay yeah that i I was just wondering because like like you said the media portrayal like it's it's really shifted and so i'm like is it still happening the the same or not um so is there is there anything you you want to uh, to add about any of these or say about what you maybe are hopeful for in the future that you would like to see changed or or have happen or take part in or anything? Um, in the future, I just really hope that I, I can see more of communities coming together like I have, because one big thing that I feel like will actually push this movement and push uh, the system in general to be changed is love and hope because that's the only thing that I feel like really changed anything on the smaller scales that I've seen. So I'm guessing on the bigger scale, it would be the same way. It's less violence. And uh, I mean, obviously you still have to push. There's no change without pushing. There's no change without uh, people using force, but it doesn't have to be like a hateful force, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the loving forces that I've seen have gone a longer ways than people trying to be more forceful with less love. Okay, great. Um, and I know you are are concerned about this as well, because aren't you, uh, you're wanting to potentially start a, a podcast or something to keep the voices going. Is that correct? You want to tell us a little bit about what you have planned? Uh, yes, that is correct. And I actually have just started the podcast. Like I haven't actually made any episodes yet, but... I named it. It's called Kindness Kills. It's um, mainly about it's starting with the Black Lives Matter movement. And because that's the main thing going on right now. I mean, I feel like it's something that really needs to still be talked about. And it's just it's more of a keep positivity within situations like this, because I want more awareness to be brought and more people to understand what actually what's actually going on and how uh much we don't need to like just let it dissipate but I also want people to stay more hopeful for the future I feel like that's just again a main thing that everyone needs to do so that's what my podcast is mainly about Uh, yeah so just bringing hope and like having people tell their stories or things like that okay well that sounds great I I I look forward to uh, listening to it once you get some of those up and running Maybe uh, so you again, be a that guest was star on my podcast. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I won't have as much interest in talking about. It. I've been locked in with children all the time, <laughs> but, you know. Um, 
I can talk about how their kindness kills me. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, um, but yeah, so that's awesome. So kindness kills be listening for that for when Jaden gets that up and going. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me uh, here, Jaden. Um, I just want to say, I love the passion that you show about what you've lived. I, anytime young people are, are passionate about something, uh, you know, I really, I get hope from that. It makes me, you know, brings me joy. And I hope in the future that you can, you know, continue to bring good things to your community, whether that be in Henderson or you move on to somewhere else. So thank you again for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. I hope you got something out of that interview like I did with Jaden. It's a great look into a movement uh, that's taken the world by storm. First-hand account, because I see, I know I see it all on TV, so it's really interesting to see someone I taught living it. Um, now it's time for your joke and quote of the day to end you off with a smile, hopefully, and something to think about. Let's start with your joke. Uh, so my son accidentally smashed his foot on the table and as he was hopping around the room screaming in pain, I rushed over to the phone, picked it up, and asked him, Hey, do you want me to call a tow truck? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, and for your quote today, let's uh, go back to Frederick Douglass. Now, I love this one because it points out the importance of teaching children, as I've heard many people say that children are not born racist, which is so true. Uh, so here is his quote. It's short, but really important. Quote, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men, end quote. Now that is a challenge to all teachers and parents and something I aim to do in both of those roles. Hopefully I can be successful. So I want to thank you again for joining me and I hope you liked it. Be sure to subscribe, tune in next time. Until then, be safe, learn something, and don't forget to smile. <laughs>